Thank you for tuning in to Black Girl Missing. This is a special episode in which we are covering the disappearance of a Black woman who is age 32. While that is outside of our general demographic, we believe that this story is pressing and needs to be covered at this time. Irene Gawka has been missing since March of 2022. She is from Kenya and she lived there with her parents and her older brothers who moved to the United States before she did. They moved to Idaho and she did too. She joined them coming here wanting to get into healthcare because she wanted to help people. Her family describe her as loving and caring and she stays very well connected. She likes to help people. They say she was a really sweet woman. So she moves to the United States connects with her brothers, but then she meets a guy online uh, being reported as Craigslist and they begin dating and they get romantically involved. Irene was not new to the United States this year when she went missing. She's been here since 2019. So we assume that is, you know, she got here before the pandemic, before everything got shut down and she had family here. So it wasn't like she was just coming out of nowhere. She came here to meet with her brothers and to start her new life. She wanted to study. Okay. So when she met this man and his name is Nathan Heitman, they met online and they began dating. According to her family, though, they were off and on, okay? They had had some issues, they would date for a while, then they would broke up, and then they would get back together. Eventually, though, she did move in with him. And so she left Idaho, where she was with her brothers, and moved to Gillette in um, with, uh, Wyoming uh, with this husband of hers. Now she's 32 and he's 38. That's not a huge age difference. Um, and she seems pretty self-sufficient. We know that she did have some cash saved up. Um, it wasn't, you know, a whole lot of money, but it was a few thousand dollars she had saved up likely because she wanted to go to school and wanted to put it towards that. So, you know, when she met this man and moved in with him, he was aware that she has, you know, the, these thousands of dollars. She also has credit cards and things like that. Now, according to her family, they talked to Irene like every other day. She was very much in touch with her family. I believe they had a group chat. They would do video calls. Um, and the last time that she was seen by her family via video call was February 24th, right? So in this call, though, her parents noted that she did not seem like herself, um, she seemed like they, well, you know, hungry, tired, a little despondent. Her eyes seemed a little like not really like dead, but just kind of like she didn't have the life and the vitality that she normally, uh, displayed, you know? Um, and it's very interesting because the family had a, 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 um, a phone plan that they shared. And so they, you know, they could tell like something was up because they were like, well, wait a minute. You know, we're getting these weird messages from her, these text messages that don't go in line. She's quick to pick up the phone and just do a video call. So why is she sending us text messages, right? So they were getting concerned about that. So the last video chat was on February 24th, 2022. And the last message they received was March 9th. Now, according to her older brother, the messages that she was sending were odd. 
Normally, Irene would converse with them with a mix of Swahili and some slang and Kenyan. This was CNN was reporting. Um, but these messages that they were getting, her brother said it seemed like someone was using Google Translate to send them, right? So they either like super, super official or just not as casual as someone who, you know, knows how to speak in slang in different languages, right? Then they got a message that said, dad, I dropped my phone in water and now the microphone doesn't work. Well, that doesn't really make sense. Um, and then they got another one that said, I just want to know, I just want you to know, I love you and I love and miss you and mom. And her father says that they respond. This is all via WhatsApp. Um, she says, we, we, he said, we miss you. We want to see you not just on chat on WhatsApp. We love you always. You will be my daughter forever. They knew something was up, right? So they're using, you know, WhatsApp and WhatsApp. I don't know for people that are not familiar, WhatsApp is really great because it's Wi-Fi based and people that live in different countries can communicate uh, using Wi-Fi and Wi-Fi tells you when someone has seen a message, you know, it's got, it's got its own built in red receipts and all those kinds of things. So it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to keep track of people and, and things like that. But something about those messages didn't sit right with them. So the family, the, they went and looked through the phone records and they found a number that she had called a lot of times. That's how they found out that, um, she had actually moved in with this guy. So until then, remember I said that they were on again, off again, she had kind of complained to her family about, you know, the relationship she had with this man, but that's how they found out that she was actually living with him. Okay. So that's when they were kind of concerned because they were like, well, we thought you all broke up only to find out that you've been living together. Okay. So that was suspicious. That started to make them a bit suspicious. So they got the last message on March 9th and then they reported her missing on March 20th. Now I have some concerns about that. Like why wait that long? You haven't talked to her since February 24th. March 20th makes it almost a month and you're just finding out that she's living with somebody else. I'm not sure I would have waited that long, but that's what happened. They waited and then they reported uh, her missing. Now on that same day, um, an officer had talked to the guy, I think his name is Heitman. I'm, I'm pronouncing, I shouldn't say Hitman. It's, it's Heitman. Um, they talked to him because there was some like other criminal case against him. And so what we learn is that there was already some issues with him stealing her money. Okay. He's been taking her money. He's been um, you, running up her credit cards. He even went and changed all her passwords for her bank accounts and her emails and things like that. And I'm just like, wait, pause, 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 pause. Why is he doing all of this? Is nobody suspicious of this? This is very weird behavior. I don't care if you're in a relationship. I don't care if you're together. This is very weird behavior, right? Now, her brothers have been driving all the way from Idaho to Wyoming to try to search for her and work with some search parties, which are just really now starting to kick up. I mean, they've been trying over the last couple of months, but now that this is getting more attention, more people are, you know, are willing to help out in volunteering. Now, here's where it gets interesting. The brothers tried to ask Heitman, you know, to turn over her stuff like, okay, boom, She's not here. He had told them, oh, she came, she packed two plastic bags. She left in an SUV. I don't know where she is. I haven't heard from her since. First of all, whenever a man says that, 
the first thing I think is, oh, he done killed her and dumped the body. Because remember, when men kill women, there's only one side of the story that can be told, right? So he's saying, oh, she came home, she packed her stuff, and then she just left, and I haven't heard from her since. But here's where it gets really interesting, and this is how you know this is an abusive son of a somebody. He says that he took all her money out of the bank account so that she would not have access to money and that if she needed money, she would have to contact him. Now, that could be read as him being like, all right, well, this is one way to try to figure out where she is, but it can also be read as a manipulative, controlling boyfriend who is financially abusing her, right? And then when we learn that he ran up her credit cards and things like that, that's what it sounds like to me. So I don't for one second believe this story that she just came one night, took her stuff and just left. This is a woman who talks to her family every other day. Why would they not have you know, been informed that she is leaving or that this is something that happened? I got to go somewhere or whatever, blah, blah, blah. The father also said that he offered to get her a plane ticket to come home for Christmas and she didn't even take him up on that. So they knew that there were some things that were going on, but here's the kicker. She left without her passport. Okay. So he has documents of hers. He has her passport at the very least. He probably has some other identification. He probably has information about her bank accounts, which we know that he's changed all the access codes and things like that. Okay. They also said that he is not working with detectives, um, on this investigation. Now he had been arrested. Um, also I believe in March, um, of the same time, He was charged with using her credit card unlawfully and two felony counts of um, intellectual property crimes, um, mainly because of her of changing the bank account and deleting her email and things like that. But nothing that's like directly related to her disappearance. Right. I think this is all related, but they can't arrest him and say, oh, you kidnapped her. Oh, you you killed her because they have no body. They have nothing really. And so this man is kind of roaming around free, um, knowing damn well that he probably did. So we know that he probably did something to her. They also said that they were investigating, um, a 55 like gallon barrel that was found in the, the city area and things like that. So, you know, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of questions and not many answers, but the biggest question I have is if they can point to all these things that this man has done and he has lied, right? So at first he said, I don't have her bank information. I don't have, I didn't take her money, blah, blah, blah. But then he confesses that, yes, I took her money. Yes. I changed all her bank logins and her emails and all her social media and closed everything down and stuff like that. Like why, why are we like looking at anybody else right now? And they said that he's a person of interest, but person, person of interest does not equal suspect. And sus- unless you're, you know, a suspect, you're not going to, they're not going to arrest him. So right now we are in September. Um, that is six months after this woman has disappeared. She's, she's been gone for six months. And we're just now starting to hear this in the, about this in the mainstream, right? And I think what I was really bothered about was I was watching CNN this morning and they were doing a whole story on a preschool, a white preschool uh, teacher who went missing and, you know, all the information, all the details, everything. And as we often talk about on this show about the missing white woman or missing white girl syndrome, how they will always prioritize and, and give urgency to uh, missing white girls and missing white women. But yet here is a black woman that is has been missing and 
and nobody has really been talking much about it in the mainstream. It's only now starting to get into that space. And there's a couple of factors here. Um, one, you know, he's white. And so the man that she met with is white. And we live in a country where white men are basically allowed to do whatever it is that they want to do with women, especially if the woman is a black woman. The other thing is that she's an immigrant, right? So she's only been here three years and immigrants get so caught up in our systems, especially when it comes to domestic violence and abuse and intimate partner violence, because so many immigrants are here, you know, sometimes on temporary visas or they have precarious documentation. They don't want to cause any problems and they don't want to risk, you know, possible pathways to citizenship. So they don't say anything when they're going through this stuff. And with her brothers also being here, I could see how she may easily be like, I don't want any of us to have any problems. I'm just going to suck it up and kind of deal with whatever I'm dealing with, right? Like my choice, I'm old enough to know better, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, all the signs we have point to this man. I don't understand how we can say, okay, they met online, they were back and forth together, having some issues or what have you. Um, the family, the last time they saw her, she looked withdrawn, she looked hungry, she looked tired, like something was clearly going on. Um, he took all her money ran up all her credit cards, used it to buy his own groceries, pay his bills, and he's been living off of the money that she had, something like $3,200 or whatever. But that's not the point. The, the fact is that he took her money and has completely spent it, and it, it doesn't give a damn, right? He's so cavalier about this, and he's not cooperating. So that's the other thing. It's like, if you did not do anything, cooperate with the authorities. This is the woman that you were living with and this woman that you claim to care about and be in a relationship with, and I think they uh, met in 2020, so they've been together off and on for like two years. If you care about her to the point where you're like living together, why would you not cooperate fully with the authorities and make sure you do everything that you can to try to help? And usually that's what, what, that's what happens when the men are the killers. They still pretend that they care and they want to help police. So imagine what, you know, what could be possible here when he's not even trying to cooperate. And they're basically kind of taking it like, well, he doesn't want to give us anything, so we don't have anything to go on. And I just don't feel that there's a sense of urgency here. I feel that if this was a white woman, they would have arrested this man. They would have put something on him, something to arrest and interrogate him and whatever. Um, I, I personally believe that um, he's that he killed her or, you know, maybe has her stash somewhere. Um, and she's waiting to be found and hoping to be found. Um, and I'm, and I'm banking, I'm hoping that she is still alive and I'm hoping that, you know, if she is going through something like this, that she is holding on and she is surviving. And I'm hope I'm hoping that we can kind of elevate this story and do our part to contribute to making sure that Irene's story gets out there. Um, they do have a website. It is whereisirene.com that has been set up by her family. You can go uh, to that website and um, get all the information that you need. Um, they have contacts on there. You can contact the Gillette Police Department. Share your last encounter with her if you happen to know who she is. So again, um, Irene is Kenyan. She is short. She has uh, she's brown skin. She wears glasses. She has um, short Afro textured hair. She's very slim and petite. Um, she's thirty two. She was her height was five one. She weighed eighty nine pounds. Um, 
Her hair is black and blackish brown. Her eye color is brown. Again, she was last seen February 24th, 2022 on a video call. She had just moved from Boise, Idaho to Gillette, Wyoming. Um, and her family is extremely concerned. If you know anything at all, definitely contact them. Um, they're asking people to spread the word. So that's what we are doing. Um, they even have a really great timeline here, um, kind of tracking, um, you know, everything that they know about the situation going back to July, 2021, which is when they found out that she moved in with this man. So she'd been living with him for, um, a little less than a year. Um, and, uh, it's, it's, it's really sad. Like we're, we're going through and it's just, I wish that black women could get more attention. Um, the same attention that white women get when they go messing. Um, and I actually going to correct something I said earlier. I said that he was arrested in March. He's actually arrested in May. So yeah. So the last time that they were talking to her was in March, but he was arrested in May on five felony charges of taking money out of her account, deleting her email, using her credit card, things like that. Um, so that was in May. Um, there is a, a, a Crime Stoppers does have, uh, they're offering a reward. You can call 307-228-4276. Again, that is 307-228-4276 anonymously. Um, and he, you know, it's, it's just... It's just so sad. Um, thank you for listening to this special episode. Let's bring Irene home. Hopefully this story ends positively where if we find that she is alive somewhere and that she has not been harmed um, and that this maybe was just a case of her deciding that she wanted to just kind of get away for a while. Um, but it doesn't look like that. And that's really scary. So um, let's do what we can to bring Irene home or at least just find out what happened to her. <laughs>